Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was I Heard It Through the Grapevine from Marvin Gaye. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning here on Jazz FM, you get to hear me talking to a brilliant shaper from the world of business and play some fantastic tracks from the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. My business shaper today is Debbie Wasco. She is the CEO and co-founder of Love Home Swap, as well as an entrepreneur beyond that lovely business. We'll be talking lots to her about that and all sorts of other things that she's involved in. In addition to hearing from Debbie, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, of course, some brilliant music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul, including Abby Lincoln, Albert King, new music from Mauritius, and this from Gregory Porter and Ben Longcall Sol. Grandma's hands clapped in church on Sunday morning. Grandma's hands played a tambourine so well. Grandma's hands used to issue out a warning. She said, Gregory, don't you run so fast. The sound of Gregory Porter and Ben Longcall sold with Grandma's hands, originally, of course, from Bill Withers. This is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss, and my business shaper today, as I promised earlier, is Debbie Wasco. She's the founder, co-founder, actually, of Love Home Swap. She's done lots of other businesses before, which we're going to talk about. And she's even, she's really important, you should know, by the way, she's even in charge of the review, which recently was published, that the government produced on the sharing economy. A bit of a star. Debbie, thank you for joining me. Hi, Elliot. Debbie, tell me about Love Home Swap before we go back in time a little bit. What is Love Home Swap and what gave you the idea to come up with this? It's an online business, isn't it? It is. So it's a site for homeowners who want to swap their home with someone like them around the world. So I don't know if you've seen the film The Holiday. I have. Um, So if you remember, Kate Winslet swaps homes with Cameron Diaz, who lives in a very bling pad in LA. And actually that was part of the inspiration for me. I was sitting on a plane, I watched that film and thought, does that even exist as a business? And actually for someone like me, who had spent all the money that I'd earned on my gracious home in London, um, what I didn't like doing was going on holiday with my kids and staying in hotels because it's a pain and it's expensive and really what I wanted was my home but just in another city or on the beach somewhere else in the world and so when I started to look at it from a personal perspective which was how can I have a better holiday with my children I realized as an entrepreneur that there was a real opportunity there to develop a business for people like me for families for empty nesters for people around the world who want to stay in homes and who feel comfortable doing it in a club of like-minded people in a couple of hundred countries around the world and that's the business that I've built over the last three years. And in fact, you launched the business a little early in that, didn't you? Because you've been full-time chief exec of that for the last three years. But I believe the business kind of was created around 09. Is that right? That's right. It was an idea. And at the time in 09, I had exited my previous business and come out of that. Um, I had come up for air and was looking around for 
the next big thing or the next idea. And um, as your listeners will know, when you're going through that process, you try quite a few things and some of them stick and some of them don't. Um, and the idea for Love Homespot was born around that time. Actually, the journey there was that um, I'm from a very big family and my youngest brother uh, who was very industrious and had had lots of proper jobs, which I've never had, uh, and was about to go and do an MBA. And I dissuaded him from doing that and said to him, I've had this idea, come and work with me for six months um, and I'll salary you because you're my impoverished little brother. And let's try and put together a prototype to see if we can get this off the ground. So when the site proper launched, which was the 1st of January 2010, we had 250 homes on it, which were our friends and our parents and their friends. Um, and the site then scaled very quickly. So the journey with that business was I then realised that there was a real opportunity and it needed deeper pockets than just my own. And so I took the idea out to the venture capital community across Europe and raised some proper finance for that in 2011. At the time when businesses that your listeners may have heard of, in fact, sharing economy businesses as they've become known, like Airbnb, were starting to get really big. And there was this sense that within Europe, people were willing to invest in scaling a business that was a bit like Airbnb, you stayed in homes, but a bit more upmarket and dealing with a slightly older audience. So one of the ways that I describe the businesses, it's a bit like Airbnb for grown-ups. Stay with me to hear more from my great business shaper, Debbie Wasco. Time for some music. This is Afro Blue from Abby Lincoln. Dream of a land my soul is from I hear a hand stroke on a drum Shades of dinner. That was Afro Blue from Abby Lincoln, a bit of a throwback to around the late 1950s and jolly nice too. Debbie Wasco is my business shaper today. She's been telling us how she was worst in class at the management consultancy firm <laughs> Oliver Wyman. A bit academic, um, knew she was going to be the boss on day two and all things have happened since. She's the, the co-founder and CEO of Love Home Swap, which is a very brilliant idea about sort of Airbnb, as she said, for grown-ups. Now, we got the, the backstory where you said you were the worst in class. It's one thing knowing you're you're going to be your own boss and you said your environment really shaped that because that's what that was the model that you knew it's another thing then deciding what you're going to go and do your first business I believe was called Mantra Mm -hmm. Public Relations Um, why did you alight on that particular idea at that particular time we're now in the late 90s aren't we yeah so after my um, unsuccessful two management consultancy years um, I I like the sound of the the, the monkey doing a spreadsheet in a a horrible car park in Berlin nothing wrong with that um I then went to work for a PR business called Brunswick, um, which is now a vast business, but at the time was about 40 or 50 people in central London with a very charismatic boss. Um, And I spent a couple of years there um, learning the dark art of communications and what then morphed into online communications, because this is the advent of dot com one if you like so 98 99 when actually i think um it was a very unusual time because it was a virtue to be young people who were founding those early venture capital businesses in the uk like martha lane fox and brent hoberman and others were all mates of mine and it seemed like to use the slightly overused analogy of gold rust and and picks and shovels that was an opportunity with quite limited experience um 
quite a lot of confidence and drive to set up an advisory business that would advise that new wave of entrepreneurs who were people like me, much like the the, um, the thinking behind how home swapping works. And so when I set up Mantra, I was 25 um, in 99. I didn't know anything about anything really, um, but I had a phone and a reasonably good address book. And in terms of the first business to found and run, it was just a completely amazing experience um, because you had exposure to incredible and charismatic entrepreneurs, loads of businesses that worked, loads of businesses that didn't work at all, um, the media, um, and learning about how to help people build their brand and awareness of their business. So it was a brilliant apprenticeship whilst also learning about how to run an agency business that ended up turning over millions of pounds um, and how to run a P&L and a team and, and to build that from nothing. So it was fantastic on the job learning. And in terms of client spread, big clients, small clients and the yeah. ones in between too. I mean, how yeah. did you, how, people will be listening going, how did you get those first clients if they weren't established? Yeah, I think what I really learned about that time is that people will back entrepreneurs with balls and you've got to get lucky with the first couple of clients. Um, and I can remember who they were, um, actually slightly from from the, uh, the legal world. But we started to work for a law firm called Olswang because they had an entrepreneurial founder who thought, OK, well, we'll give her a bit of work and see how she does. And at the time, they were the law firm advising the media and technology sectors off the back of that. All of our early work was word of mouth. And then we got some really big clients like the BBC and um, some of the really big internet businesses at the time like Yahoo. So, so you got, most I mean, of just, it came but, from word of mouth. But big scalps and mm. scaling up really fast. Mm. I mean, you've obviously... And way very- too fast. Uh, you know, in that first 18 months, we went from... Uh, we, we got up to sort of 60 people in terms of size without really much of an idea about how to run it or manage it. And the sort of secret shame of those early years was whilst turnover scaled very, very quickly, profitability did not. So, you, you know, you learn a lot about hiring and client services and how to make money from that whilst keeping the quality of the work really high. And that was very iterative. And then by the time we got to 2002, um, the market was very different. There wasn't the same amount of financing being put into early stage technology businesses and we really had to develop additional products and services in order to survive and scale the business. So again, there were sort of you know learnings all the time about how to do it. And we're going to hear lots more about those learnings and how that led to a sale, actually, in 2007 of that very business. Stay with me to hear more from my great business shaper, Debbie Wasco. Ladies, travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your business from our programme partners at Mishkan Hello, my name is Derval Walsh. I'm a partner in the contentious banking and finance practice at Mishkan One practical tip I would give to all customers who have dealings with their banks is at the start of the relationship, particularly when they're drawing down funding, it is very important to get the necessary professional input from either accountants or lawyers as to the terms being offered by the bank. One of the reasons for doing this at the outset is because it is critical to avoid a situation where there is a dispute a year or two years down the line, at which point the die has been cast, and very often from the perspective of the borrower and the legal or professional advisor, it is a case of damage limitation. So I can't stress highly enough the importance of getting professional assistance at the start so that you set your stall out appropriately. 
Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning, 9am sharp here on Jazz FM. You can catch me talking to a fantastic and interesting shaper from the world of business. If you've missed any and you'd like to go back, then pop into iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers, and you'll find a whole host of fantastic people over there. Debbie Wasco is my business shaper today. She's the co-founder and CEO of Love Home Swap. As you've been hearing earlier, she founded her first business at the tender age of 25, <laughs> sold it by the time she was 33, and set up the next business and then another one, and we'll come to all the other things that you're doing. We were in 2002. Without going right the way through, you basically were painting a picture that said of your first real business of Mantra, it was a learning curve on every single metric that you could possibly imagine, every Absolutely. single uh, spectrum, of the, parts of the spectrum in terms of growing a business. When you came to sell, yes. did you want to sell? Was it, why was it right then? And, and what advice would you give to people who are thinking about, you know, they're at a point in their business, uh, the evolution of their business? How did, they, how did you know that that was the moment? I think there are a few different factors. The first was that personally, um, I felt ready to do something more than just be an advisor. Um, the bit that I really loved about Mantra was the running of the business and the bit that I started to love less about it was the giving of advice. So it felt like I was ready for the next challenge and I'd grow as a baby when I started this business and I'd grown up within it. So it felt like intellectually I wanted to do something different and I wanted to have ownership of a brand that had consumers that had a different set of business challenges. Um, second was environment. Um, at that time, in 2006, 2007, marketing services was very hot. There were an awful lot of marketing services roll-ups, like Lowy, who I eventually sold to, Engine, obviously WPP, the big ones that people will have heard of. So it felt that there was a moment, and I think you learn in life that those moments don't last forever. So you, you grasped the moment. You sold at a price you were happy with, yeah. I imagine, on terms that, you were, that was good. Good. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a good thing, a big tick over there. Yeah. You then almost within the next couple of years, you, you get up for your next venture, as it were. You created a vehicle, yes. Maythorne Partners. Partners. Yeah. Essentially doing what? Um, so I think the thing for me was when I sold and I and I left Lowy, um, I'd had my first child. And in my mind, I was going to have this plural life where I did some non-execing and some investing. And I did that for about two months and it was really boring. And I'm not very good at being at home with babies. So it was time to get out and do the next thing. And the way that I went about that was I had a very old friend um, from college and consulting days um, who was a smart guy and a friend who had also just recently had an exit. And we set up Maidthorn, strategically named because he lived on Maid Avenue and I lived on Thornton Place. Um, and that's how we came up with See the name. See what we did there. Yeah. <laughs> See what we did clever. Um, and really this, the stated objective of Maythorn is that we would have fun and make some money and it would be our vehicle to make some money through working on deals and advisory work and to um, plough the proceeds of that above and beyond what we needed to keep us honest back into businesses that we would invest in in order through the lessons learned through mantra, mantra to take that first mile of looking for investment or angel investment or seeding of an idea away from any external third party and keep it within the two of us. So it was a very equal partnership like a marriage everything split 50 50 in terms of what we did and what we invested um and it was great very successful in terms of those two objectives having fun and making some money and out of that um structure is is how love home swap was born 
find out what happened next um, here on Jazz Shapers with Debbie Wasco, my business shaper. Time for some more music. This is Dodo Bubba from that Mauritian, I promise you, Jerry Leonid. The calming sound of Dodo Bubba from my Mauritian new friend, Jerry Leonid. Debbie Wasco is my busy shape. We've been talking about her amazing ability to fit in stuff and to be ambitious, Debbie. You were talking about this new venture that you created, the vehicle um, with your uh, co-founder, I believe Simon Walker is his name. uh, Made Thorn Partners, brilliantly and originally named from the two streets they lived on. Wow. Um, But but the serious side of that is unbelievably ambitious, very almost precocious in 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 a way. Young person, you've sold your first business, you've then got this notion that, well, actually, I want to go on the other side of it. I want to start building... Not an empire, but building interesting things with money behind them that can then succeed. And out of it, as you said, came Love Home Swap. When it came out of it, did you go, that's a winner? Did you know that that potentially was going to be the thing that you would then focus your time on? Or was it, well, here's one of a few things that might work? I think Love Home Swap's definitely a goosebump business for me when I first thought about it and we first mocked up the prototype I got goosebumps and thought this could be really big Um, the thing that I love about it is it's real people and real people's lives and that you get a real kick out of the fact that we've got tens of thousands of people who are traveling this way each year and it's something that I had the idea on a flight after having watched a film and the, to the, me the that's film really makes you cry. Oh, I, I was crying on <laughs> plays I don't know about you but Jude Law you just fancied Jude Law didn't you? Uh, um, yes. Well we, you know everyone, a little bit. everyone loves a single dad so yeah um, <laughs> it's a, it was a good a good moment to realize that you've turned something from an idea to a reality. And for me, that's part of the reason to keep on doing this stuff and why I feel like there'll be more businesses for me in different ways, because I get a real kick out of that. Is Um, that the biggest kick? I was going to ask you, you talked earlier, you said, I really preferred running the business to, you know, at some point the advising became enough. I wanted to create my own brand. I imagine there's a real, there's an element of the the idea becoming the reality. Is that the primary thing or are there other things that buzz you as much? I think I'm just very goal driven and I've always been like that and I like to feel like I'm being the best I can be that's my mantra to my children I suppose and um, that if you feel like every day you've tried to be the best you can be then that's a reason to bounce out of bed the next morning and I am a bounce out of bed at half past five in the morning type of person so I like to feel like I've achieved something every day and when you're dealing with a business that's complicated because it's about homes and travel and people booking long-haul flights for families and complexity and matching and technology there's always something that doesn't work at the beginning of the day that hopefully you can get to work by the end of the day. So you like the intellectual challenge but then on top of that you decided well it's not really enough to have Maitland partners I've kind of got love home swap but actually while I'm going I'm going to create this thing called collaborative consumption Europe because I need an online place for news and events and jobs and opportunities within the collaborative consumption industry I mean the the serious side again you went and did another thing you've done another thing and it's there you're you're driven and you are goal-oriented but there some people listen will go where does she find the time yeah or is it easy at a point because you're just I think the trick is to get up early that's the trick to everything in life. Um, I think if you can train yourself to be an early riser, then you can fit it all in. I am very structured. I have two small children 
Um, and you know it's the three of us and we live together and there's a lot to get through each day and getting up early means you can get on with it I'm also one of these people who if I have nothing to do I'm hopeless and I can't do anything if I have lots and lots and lots of things to do I'm madly efficient so I'm a shirker when there's not much going on and if I'm really under the cosh then I'm you know brilliant and I need to create that kind of life situation in order to be efficient We'll have a final chat with Debbie, plus play track from Blues great Albert King. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. For bad luck, you know I won't have no luck at all. Hard luck and trouble been my only friend. Albert King and Born Under a Bad Sign. Debbie Wasco is my business shaper and we've been talking about all sorts of things. Getting up early, primarily, being structured. And I think a lot of people listening will hear that in themselves as well. The secret to being um, successful in what you do, which is essentially structured unstructuredness, I guess. You've Mm -hmm. got to be fluid, you've got to see opportunities, but what you've done is created this surround which ensures that actually, as you said, you can be, be productive and control your urge to be a shirker, which I think is in all of this. What other tips would you give to people who are thinking about or in the middle of running either one business or want to set one up or multiple businesses as you are? What are the other things that have worked for you? Um, The thing that works for me is layering for want of a better word so with everything that I'm doing at the moment my day job's being CEO of Love Home Swap I set up the industry group for the sharing economy so that's the catch-all term to refer to businesses which are driven by people sharing the assets that they own and the skills that they have so that's things like Airbnb but also Uber um, blah blah car task rabbit some of these new sites that sit in sharing so the reason to do that was Um, to get to know other people who were operating and starting businesses in my world, but also it was a positioning point to be at the front of this new movement within the UK. And then the final piece of work that I've had on in recent months, which have been very busy, is doing this independent report for the government on the sharing economy. So that was different, um, completely different team working with government, something I'd never done before. But again, I could make sense of it with my day job. So for me, because I like variety and I have very short attention span, I need that variety, but it doesn't work for me to jump around between lots of different things. It all has to, I have to have some sense of it fitting together for the whole. But you get time to relax, right? I mean, because a lot of people I meet are very driven. I remember talking to Sarah Murray and she said spent she said she spent a day in, in the sun uh, in the Mallorca and she was bored are you I mean can you can you have you got the ability to just switch off I'm not great at that um, and, and holidays at the moment tend to be working holidays um, but I think having small children means that you need to give them your time and attention I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old so what I have got disciplined at because they make me they hate me being on my phone when I'm with them, particularly if I'm putting them to bed or doing this story. So there's kind of enforced moments of having to have downtime, which I'm thankful for, but it tends to be enforced. 
It's been great talking to you. Um, I just want to mention the the sharing economy review that you've led. I think it's, yeah. it's a must read. I've heard people have <laughs> it's got it's quite a, long. It's quite long, but there's, <laughs> but there's some pithy stuff in there. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for being my my, my guest today. What is your song choice before I let you go? Um, and, and why have you chosen it? Ah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's "Don't Go to Strangers" by Amy Winehouse and Jules Holland. Um, I feel like everyone needs a bit of Amy for the voice. Uh, and it's also a bit of a tearjerker, back to your point on the holiday, that we all like a big cry. So sometimes I listen to it on planes. Debbie, thank you so much. Here it is, Amy Winehouse and Jules Holland. That was Don't Go to Strangers from Amy Winehouse and Jules Holland. The song choice of my business shaper today, Debbie Wasco. What an articulate person, unbelievably intelligent, super structured and tons of energy behind the things that she really wants to do and achieve. And boy, has she achieved some stuff. Join me again, same time, same place, for another edition of Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. That's 9am next Saturday morning. Meantime, though, stay with us, because coming up next, you know who it is. It's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.